This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I am Ryan Kennedy. We are brought to you by Christian Hockey. Thank you for joining us today. As always, going to start off with three players to watch for the 2020 draft. And this is a fun time of year because I'm starting to talk to a lot of scouts looking forward to draft preview. And you know, you're trying to find those gems, you're trying to find where guys fit. One player I'm very excited about right now is Damon Hunt, defenseman for the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL. Hunt has missed a good chunk of the season. The past few months, after his arm was slashed uh, by a skate during a game, he had to have surgery immediately. It was a bad laceration, but he's back now. He's played a handful of games, and what scouts like about Hunt is that he just has so many assets. He skates very well. He's got decent size. He's a good puck mover. But he also plays very good defense. He's excellent with his gap control. And when you put all that together, you've got a very nice two-way defenseman playing on a a non-playoff team right now in Moose Jaw. You wonder how the Warriors would have been if they hadn't been missing Hunt all season. But, you know, this is a player that, you know, some scouts believe could even get some first-round consideration. I think, you know, if we're going to be safe here, he's probably more of a top 50 guy. But you can tell from the way... Scouts talk that they're very intrigued by this young man. Now, I'm going to stay on the blue line for this next player, Jake Ratzlaff, who is uh, right now with the Green Bay Gamblers of the USHL, but he played most of the season with his Minnesota high school team, the Rosemount Irish, and Rosemount was knocked off in the sectionals, so they are not playing in the state tournament. And uh, like a lot of high-end players that that play high school, Ratzlaff is finishing off the season in the USHL. Now, what's important for me is seeing Ratzlaff compete at a higher level with the Gamblers. He's played three games so far, and I, I think this is key for scouts as well because Ratzlaff is a very interesting case. He's a great two-way defenseman, uh, kind of plays like a Ryan McDonough style of game, but uh, you know he's not very physical. But he's also a star football player. And there was some concern earlier in the season that Ratzlaff might take a college football scholarship instead of going to the University of Minnesota for hockey, which he is already committed to do. Uh, Ratzlaff's kind of interesting because he's a beast on the football field. If you ever find some of his highlights online, he makes some huge hits. Uh, But on the ice, at least in the Minnesota high school game, He tended to use his stick more than his physicality because he is such a big kid. There's the tendency that he would have just crushed the competition. Literally, you know, I had one scout said like if he had gone full out, he could have like killed a kid. So I think with the USHL, what's going to be good for scouts is they're going to get a sense of what Ratzlaff can do against competition that is older and stronger than the Minnesota high school system. So very interesting prospect here. Um, you know, when I spoke to Ratzlaff for the Hockey News magazine early in the season, he was saying that he, the plan was to go to Green Bay after this year and then to play next year, most likely with the Gamblers, before he heads to the University of Minnesota. So you're looking at a long-term prospect, but obviously a great athlete who can take care of his own end and also get you some offense as well. 
Speaking of offense, the third player I'm going to speak about for the 2020 draft is Zion Nybeck, the right winger for HV71 in Sweden. He is the top scorer in Sweden's junior league, and this is at the super elite level when the best teams in the country come together and play in one conference. Zion Nybeck's going to be a first-rounder. Where in the first round? Hard to say right now. He's not the biggest. Uh, he's, not the, he's not an elite skater, but he is a super talented kid, Great playmaking ability, and obviously he can put points on the board. You know, this is the sort of player where we're still waiting to hear if the world under-18s are going to happen in Michigan. Other world under-18 championships have already been canceled because of COVID-19. But the top rung, as of now, is still on. It would be a great place for Nybeck to finish his season. But, of course, we have to wait and see what the IHF decides. So... Those are three to watch for 2020. Now we'll move on to your questions, uh, starting with uh, one that also has some European flair to it, from Sebastian Moeller, who asks, what do you value more for a prospect, playing major junior or playing a limited role in a European pro league? Uh, this is a very good question, and I think it's very case-sensitive. You know, and, and it actually even goes down to league as well, because if you're a teenager in Russia, for example, you're probably not going to get many minutes in the KHL. It's just the, the hockey culture over there. And, you know, even a guy like Alex Ovechkin wasn't playing massive minutes with Dynamo back in the day. So there's a there's sort of a, a barrier for entry. Whereas if you play in Finland, if you're a good player, you're going to see time in the Liga. You might even get a very big role. We've seen that with countless players um, in the past few years, and it seems to be ramping up even more. So a, a kid like Aturati is already getting games in the Liga, and he's not even eligible for the draft until next season. Then you have Jesse Pugliarvi, who's still junior-aged or close to it, and, I mean, he's obviously one of the best players in the Liga this year. Talk about Vili Hainala, you look at what Capo Caco did last year, the list goes on and on. So I, I think it depends on what your situation is, because if you're a young player, you want ice time. And the thing about Major Junior is you're playing against other teenagers. And if you are 17, even 18, you have to dominate Major Junior. If it's your draft year, I would expect you to put up big numbers or, you know, if you're a goalie, you should have big numbers. You should be the starter, particularly with netminders. You have to make sure you're getting your time in. But, you know, if you're a player that is going to have a pretty decent role, and I'm not talking about 20 minutes a night, but even if you're getting, say, 13, 14 minutes a night in a men's league in Europe, that's amazing because you're playing against guys that are older, stronger, and wiser in most cases. And it's great to push yourself if if you can keep up. So I think it's situationally dependent. If you're a skinny kid, obviously major junior is the way to go because you're going to need to put on some pounds before you face men. But if you can hang with the pros, then I say do it. Next up, we have an intriguing question from Trevor Sifton. He asks, with the young talent on the D-line in Carolina, what are the chances Jake Bean is exposed for the expansion draft given the unreal season he's having in the AHL? So, of course, we have Seattle coming into the league on the horizon. And as we saw with the Vegas draft a couple of years ago, 
teams had to make some pretty tough decisions. Now, Trevor, you are correct. Jake Bean is having a fantastic year, and Carolina is pretty deep on defense. And, of course, they also uh, you know, have guys coming up as well. I don't know if they would expose Jake Bean to the expansion draft, but what I could see if he doesn't find a role on the Hurricanes soon is maybe they make a deal with Seattle, who would obviously covet a kid who is just coming into his prime and has a lot of great tools at his disposal, particularly his puck-moving ability and what he can do offensively from the blue line. So I could see a situation where Carolina makes a deal so that they at least get something back for Jake Bean. But exposing him, I think if you have other options that are older, I think it would be more prudent for Carolina to hold on to Bean in that regard. It's going to be tough because as we saw with the Golden Knights, teams really had to make some tough choices and a lot of teams didn't make the right decision. Even teams that made trades with Vegas to protect certain players, we saw them lose out on both ends. So Carolina is going to have to be really smart with this situation. If Bean can crack the lineup next year, then I think you're going to have a situation where Carolina will have a little bit more of an idea where he fits in in the grand scheme of things. And I think he needs to make that jump. You know, we've seen him in the AHL and he's dominating this year. And that's kind of how development works. You want to see a kid play well and then dominate and then move on. So for, for Jake Bean, he has dominated. He's already won a Calder Cup with the Charlotte Checkers last year. So it's time for him to step up in the summer and make himself indispensable for the fall. Next question from Aiden Duggan. What is a realistic expectation for Vasily Podkolzin once he's brought over? Yes, everybody's favorite Russian son, Vasily Podkolzin, the Vancouver Canucks first rounder, just scored his very first KHL playoff goal the other night. So very exciting for him. You know, the realistic expectation for me would be for him to immediately be a middle six winger. And then I think the potential is there for him to be a first line winger. I love his drive, his physicality. Obviously he has offensive talent as well, but what I like about pod Colson is the fact that he's so versatile and he can use his forward checking. He can use his penalty killing abilities to be a valuable member of a team fairly quickly. So he's going to have to come over here and adjust to the North American game, but he strikes me as the type of kid that it won't take long for that to happen. I think he knows what he needs to do and he has really good habits already. So when you're looking at the Canucks, they're in a great position right now because they have a lot of young talent already. They're not starved for high-end guys because, of course, you have Elias Pettersson leading the charge. You have Brock Besser once he comes back from injury. You know, you added Tyler Toffoli. On the back end, you have Quinn Hughes running things. You got more players coming up. So for Pod Colson, I think he could, you know, maybe start off on, say, the third line do some banging and crashing, maybe get you some secondary or tertiary offense. And then as he grows his game, you move him up the lineup. And I think he'll be a very effective NHLer. I got one question here. 
as I fall out of my chair. Easy though. Uh, it's uh, actually from about four different people asking about Bowen Byram. Oh yeah. And uh, they're kind of asking just like, is there a chance he can make the Avalanche next year? And he did have a thirteen point, uh, thirteen game point streak where almost all of them were at least two or three points. Mm. Is this a guy that has much more to prove at junior hockey? Because last year he was, I wouldn't even say he was that off, far off last year. And, and True. He had a slow start this year, but he's kind of improved. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what his Vancouver Giants do in the WHL playoffs because they're in a pretty decent position right now. Careful. But it's interesting because based on his age, Bowen Byron would have to go back to junior. And the thing with the Avs is they've got some pretty good defensemen already. And, you know, you look at Samuel Girard, you look at Cam McCarr, uh, you know, they're not starved for puck movers. But having said that, if Bowen Byram can push his way onto the roster, then that's a good problem for Colorado to have because it meant that he is pushing himself past others. Um it's, it's a tricky situation. If they send him back to junior, then I think what happens is first they hang on to him for a while. You know, maybe he gets his nine games, sits a couple in the press box, so you stretch it out a bit. And then, of course, he would be the man for Canada at the World Juniors. Uh, you know, he was already very good winning gold this past season, but he would be a dominating presence if he were to play again for Canada and then you know depending on where the Giants are next year in terms of the standings either he makes another run for a WHL title or he gets traded to a contender and tries to get a title that that way that to me are the most likely paths Colorado doesn't need him right now if he forces his way on then that's great but it strikes me that he'll he'll have to be one of those prospects that probably plays a little more junior than he has to. Yeah, and it's all, it's a good situation if they don't need him. If they don't need one of their top prospects they've drafted in the last exactly. five years. Exactly. So. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of defensemen, uh, next question from Taha Ahmed: What's Jordan Harris's ceiling? He's having a great year in the NCAA, and you are very correct. Uh, Jordan Harris is having a fantastic year in the NCAA, playing for the Northeastern Huskies. Uh, 21 points in 31 games. That's great for a defenseman. Um, you know, for me, Jordan Harris is probably a second pairing guy. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a ton of size, but he's great with the puck. Very mobile. Can obviously put points on the board. I thought, you know, him along with basically most of Team USA didn't have the most fantastic of World Junior tournaments, but there's a good future there. And the Northeastern Huskies are a very good program. You know, they won their third straight Beanpot tournament this year, which is a big feather in their cap in Boston because before that had been a very long time before they had won that. The Beanpot, of course, being the showdown between Northeastern, Harvard, Boston University, and Boston College. And uh, Harris, I, you know, I like what he's doing so far. Uh, it's a great step up. I think when you're a player of his size, the weight room is your friend and you know, for him to spend a couple of years at Northeastern before he turns pro, I think is probably the best case scenario for him. The Montreal Canadiens could obviously use all the talent they can get. Having Alexander Romanoff come over for next season will help that. And also, I think it takes a little bit of pressure off Harris because he can develop on his own timeline and not worry about finding his place in the lineup. 
once he gets there, you know, you're still probably going to have some pretty good mentors, guys like Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie on the back end if they're still in Montreal at the time. But I, I, I like Harris. I think he's probably like a, a number three best case scenario. Maybe he's even a number two. Um, but I, I, I think it was a it was a nice value pick by the Habs, and he's got a bright future. Well, speaking of Montreal Canadiens defenseman, I believe it was today that Matthias Norlinder won uh, the award for best junior prospect or junior player in the Al Svenskin. Indeed, and we actually have a question. Uh, we had a question about Nor, uh, Norlinder from somebody. Um, we'll find it. Let's find that question since we are talking about him. Um, in the meantime, we'll knock out one here from Ernie Morris, who I know is a big Columbus Blue Jackets fan. He's curious about Jay Christensen, who was just signed by the Blue Jackets as a free agent out of WHL Everett. Uh, Christensen having a very good year for the Silver Tips. Tips one of the best teams in the WHL, so he's in a great program. And, um, you know, Everett's been very good at developing NHL talent over the years. With Christensen, uh, he's got a big shot. And, uh, you know, he can get you points from the blue line. Not the greatest skater in the world. A little heavy uh, in his footwork. So that's something he needs to improve on. Uh, For me, I think he's probably an AHLer right now. He actually spent a little bit of time with Stockton at the beginning of the year and didn't quite work out. So he headed back to Everett uh, as an overager. And this season, obviously, has gone much better. So for me, I think he's the type of guy that could really help out Cleveland next season and you know you look at the blue jackets because they only drafted three players last year they're gonna need to re-up what they have and I know you know there's been a couple of years at Traverse City where because some of their defensemen were NCAA guys they were almost entirely free agents on the back end for that rookie tournament up in Michigan so adding a guy like Christensen that you can plug into your organization I think is uh very useful for Columbus. Not sure what the ceiling is, but I think it was a nice uh, it was a nice value add for them. They didn't give anything up, so that's a nice one there. All right, Queechi asked your thoughts on Matthias Norlander. Yeah, so going back to Norlander, I think he's in a good position right now because he uh, signed a contract extension with Moto during this year, so he's under contract for next year. And looking at the standings right now, Moto is. N- at slash near the top of the Allsvenskan, which is the second division in Sweden, right below the SHL. So if Moto can earn promotion up to the SHL, then all of a sudden, Norlander has a great stepping stone in his development because obviously the competition's going to be harder in the SHL and that'll allow him to play tougher competition and to continue to grow because he was a little bit of a late bloomer I would have liked to see more at the world juniors uh, I I didn't think he was very noticeable there for Sweden um, but obviously he has talent uh, on the back end and put up really great points for motos uh, for moto in the Austin's gone this year so I think this is the type of player that he'll do another year in Sweden and then I would love to see him do at least one year with Laval just so he can get used to the North American game but there's certainly some potential there. Got another one here. Um, Patrick Otto, he asked, will Dylan Cousins play in the NHL next year? That's a, I know you've talked a bit about uh, that. 
that team a bit. I think it's a possibility. And yes, I, I did write about the Buffalo Sabres the other day and, and sort of forecast what they could do to turn the ship around. And, you know, one of the things they need is, is more offensive uh, firepower. Obviously, Jack Eichel's the guy. And I think Jeff Skinner will rebound next year because he tends to go good year, bad year in terms of goals, at least lately. So if Jeff Skinner scores 35 next year, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think Dylan Cousins could force him, force himself into that lineup. And the good thing about him is, you know, he plays center, but he's also played wing. You know, at the World Juniors with Canada, he was sort of moved around and uh, and still fared pretty well. The, the good thing about Dylan Cousins is that, you know, he's got that frame that he's still building on, but it's a great frame and he moves well. He lost some development time at the beginning of the year when he got hurt just before the season started. Uh, he actually got hurt in Sabres rookie camp. But we've seen a player that is dominating in the WHL with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So I could certainly see Dylan Cousins making the Sabres roster next year. Thing is, like he has to earn it because the Sabres are very cognizant of rushing guys. You know, They look at Casey Middlestat, and you know I'm not going to say that he is a uh, a warning because, you know, Middlestad is still finding his way in the pro game. But obviously the Sabres are pretty aware that if a kid's not going to be ready full time, they need to be aware of that right away. So I think they'll take a long look at Cousins, but they'll make sure that he's ready. Okay, so next question from Ryan Thomas. What do you think the long-term potential of Jonathan Dolan is? Do you see him coming back to North America? So Jonathan Dolan, I mean, pretty interesting because he is dominating in Sweden. And, you know, here's a player that played for a couple of different AHL teams before going back. It's, it's a tricky one because some players tend to be better in Europe on the bigger ice and I wonder if Dolan might be one of those guys. It's tough for him because when you come over here, you got to earn your spot. You're getting used to a new rank, the new culture, and things might not always happen as fast as you want them to. And I know that, you know, in North America, Dolan's had some frustrating times in the past. So I think he could certainly still be on a scoring line in the NHL, but it's no guarantee. And he's unfortunately going to have to prove himself again because when you go back, it's it's tough. You're not really in the uh, spotlight when it comes to your NHL franchise as much as kids that are in the AHL or, or even so much in Major Junior where it's easy to sort of pop in and see them. So I think Dolan's got a bit of an uphill battle, but I mean, we know he can put points on the board and all teams can use that. Next question from Tough Specs. It's a Pittsburgh Penguins one. Will Samuel Poulin or Nathan Legere have a bigger impact for the Penguins? Uh, for me, it's Samuel Poulin all the way, and that's just because I think he's a fantastic prospect. You know, Pittsburgh hasn't made a lot of draft selections lately, and they've traded away some of the prospects that they did take, but they've held on to Poulin, and I think it's a great thing because he is a power forward in the making, playing for a very good Sherbrooke Phoenix team in the Quebec League. Um and he's doing it. And I think this is a player that is probably not that far off. He's a character kid. He's got NHL bloodlines. Uh, his dad um, played in the league for years. I think Samuel Poulin has a ton of potential. 
And the fact that he can be that net front guy, I think, helps a lot. And you think about all the, the tools Pittsburgh has. I mean, you put him on a line with either Crosby or Malkin, you can't do any better than that anywhere. Um, I think he'd be a quick study. I like Lejure as well. I think he uh, brings a lot to the table. And he's having a pretty good year himself in the queue. But I just think with Poulain, the ceiling is higher. All right. We're going to the youngins now. Vili Penninen, who I'm going to assume is Finnish, since I am an amateur ethnologist. But the, the name you're about to say doesn't sound very Finnish. The name I'm saying, it's not, it doesn't sound Finnish, but it is half Finnish. Uh, Vili asks... Does Brad Lambert have a possibility to be first overall pick in 2022? So, everyone out there, we're closing Future Watch as I speak. I think the final pages have just been put through. So, Future Watch will be hitting stores in about two weeks. We do have a 2022 draft preview. Brad Lambert is certainly featured. Uh, very interesting kid. Um, he is the nephew of Lane Lambert, the associate coach of the uh, Washington Capitals. Uh, his dad played hockey as well. Um, so he's Finnish slash Canadian, although I believe, believe his dad was actually born in the UK, um, but probably moved soon after. Um, anything is possible because we are talking about a draft that is three years away. Having said that, this is Shane Wright's draft to lose. Shane Wright playing for the Kingston Frontenacs as a 15-year-old, exceptional status, uh, broke the Kingston Frontenacs record for goals by a rookie that was set by Bernie Nichols. Now, keep in mind, first of all, Bernie Nichols, fantastic player. Second of all, uh, played during a time where goals were plentiful, and also Bernie Nichols was not 15, as Bernie Nichols himself noted on Twitter. Shane Wright actually has an outside chance of breaking John Tavares' exceptional status scoring uh, scoring record of 77 points. Um, Wright's going to have a, he's going to have to have a good finish, but he's, he's not that far off. And I was talking to a scout about him the other day, and he said the thing about Wright is even when he's not getting you points, he's so valuable because he's so good away from the puck. Now, how does this relate to Brad Lambert? I think Brad Lambert will probably be the second or third overall pick in that draft because he is an offensive sensation as well. Um, has already played some games against men in Finland, which is fantastic. When I talked to a NHL scout based in Europe about him, he loved everything offensively Lambert does, uh, but he wants to see his game round out otherwise and granted we are talking about a player who is basically 16 years old now so he has time um but right now Shane Wright has everything and is just ascending whereas with Brad Lambert he has some fantastic tools he is scoring and he is dominating uh not you know he dominated his age group and, and really above his age group uh, but he needs to figure out his game away from the puck. He, he needs to mature as a player, and I'm sure that will come, but I just see this as Shane Wright's to lose. And, I mean, because Shane Wright is already a great scorer in the OHL, by the time it's his draft year, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's going to probably put up not just 100 points, but probably like 120, maybe even like 130 points in his draft year in the OHL. It's going to be tough to beat that. 
I'll give you a break here for a quick second. Just wanted to uh, give a shout out to the the newest podcast that we're launching on Saturday mm. with Rick Vive. It's going to be the Squid and Ultimate Leaf fan podcast. It's pretty awesome. They got guests coming in uh, for a bunch of different episodes uh, that are pretty big names. A couple of Hockey Hall of Famers, a couple of legends in hockey, uh, both on the ice and off the ice. So I think it's going to be a really fun podcast. Nice. The THN Podcast Network continues to expand. And we've got even more in the pipeline. That's right. All right, so let's get back to a couple more questions. Uh, Maxime McDavid asks, could Ilya Sorokin be an NHL starting goaltender next season? So, as we speak, if I'm not mistaken, I saw on Twitter today, Ilya Sorokin hasn't given up a goal in, like, weeks. Well, maybe not weeks. Two two, two playoff games. Basically, two and a half playoff games. Two and a half playoff games. Yes. No goals. Yeah, I mean, Sorokin's fantastic. And... Though there were rumors that there was going to be a move, Ilya Sorokin is still property of the New York Islanders. And I also get the sense that Sorokin wants to play for the Islanders because Igor Shosturkin plays for the Rangers, and that's a fantastic rivalry there. Great like personal rivalry. Bring it over to uh, New York. Isles-Rangers, one of the best rivalries in the game. Um, so let's just assume that Sorokin will be playing for the Islanders organization next year, which I believe is the most likely scenario. I don't think he'll be a starting goaltender next season, but I think he could definitely get in games. And the thing is, we had to see him over in North America first. And I don't know if the Islanders will be able to get him any games in Bridgeport this year or if they're going to run out of time. Um, so they might want to see what he can do in Bridgeport at the beginning of next year and then bring him up. Keep in mind, Semyon Varlamov is on a long-term contract, so they don't need a starter right away. And I'm sure they don't want to throw this kid right into the fire, even though he is one of the most accomplished goaltenders in Russia in the past five years. What I could see is Sorokin having sort of an Igor Shesterkin path. Um, you know, Shesterkin went to Traverse City uh, with the Rangers, got his feet wet, sort of figured out the North American game, uh, spent some time in Hartford, and then came up to the Rangers, played fantastic. Unfortunately, he got hurt in that car accident. Um, But the Rangers know what they have with Shesterkin now. They know that next year he can do some damage for them. I think with Sorokin, you're looking at a player who probably has the same portfolio so it's just a matter of how quickly can he get up to speed in North America. Um, the sooner he comes over, the better. And I could see a scenario where maybe two seasons from now, he's getting starter minutes on Long Island. Um, but you got Varlamov, and you're also a team that's competing for not just a playoff spot, but, I mean, the Islanders, we've seen what they can do in the playoffs with that defense um they could be kind of scary to face so it's not a matter of Soroka not being talented enough it's just where the team is right now and what their needs are key for him is going to be getting minutes in a crease in North America whether that's Bridgeport or New York it all depends on him and uh and we'll also see what the Islanders do in the summer because if I'm not mistaken Thomas Grice is bound for free agency Okay, last question on my sheet here. That's the last one overall. And the last one overall goes to Bobby Isaac. 
Which drafted prospect has improved his game the most this season, in your opinion? I'm going to go back to Buffalo in this one. And uh, I'm going to say Eric Portillo, the six foot six goaltender, playing in the USHL for the Dubuque Fighting Saints. And I know he had good numbers in Sweden last year in the junior ranks. Um, but I'm impressed with Portillo because he was able to make that transition from the European game to the North American one, and it's looked seamless. He has been the best goaltender in the USHL this year. He's already won a couple of individual awards, and uh, you know Dubuque's a pretty good team, so they could go on a nice playoff run as well. Portillo is bound for the University of Michigan. That'll be another nice step up for him. But I mean, this kid's got all the tools, and with that six foot six frame. Uh, you know, the, the sky's the limit with him. So I look at Portillo and I see a guy who was, you know, a nice value pick for the Sabres. You know, you never know with goaltenders these, these days, but he has confirmed what their scouts saw in him over in the Swedish junior circuits. And he has done everything asked of him for the Fighting Saints of Dubuque. And so for me, I would say... Uh, that was my most improved, just in terms of he wasn't bad last year, but he has made a perfect transition to North America and shown that he is ready for the next step. So we are all done here on the Prospect Podcast. I want to thank everybody for your questions and thank Christian Hockey for being our sponsor. And uh, we'll see you again. I believe we might do a special one next week, so stay tuned for that. <laughs>